In this episode, I'm talking with Laura Hatcher, a 1992 graduate hailing from the 28th Company. She grew up in a military family that told her she could do anything she put her mind to, and a review of her accomplishments bear out that truth. At the Naval Academy, she was a recruited varsity volleyball player by way of the Naval Academy Prep School and lettered three of the four years she played. She didn't stop there. She also ran indoor and outdoor track as a plebe and completed jump school and dive school for good measure. Laura lives by the motto, service before self. In the fleet, she served for 26 years before retiring in 2018 as an 06. She started her career as a diving officer and then transitioned to the intelligence community. Highlights from her service in the intel community include her role as the commissioning ceremony coordinator for the George H.W. Bush aircraft carrier, in which she received personal recognition from the late former president, and she served as the ship's first military intelligence officer. Later in her career, she commanded the Navy Expeditionary Intelligence Command. During that tour, she was recognized as the Hampton Roads Blue and Gold Officer of the Year for 2013. To say Laura has varied personal and professional interests would be an understatement. She carries a lot of descriptors. Small business owner, service-connected disabled veteran, published professional photographer, Harley rider, mom to three young men, wife, dog owner, mentor, and most recently, a certified remote pilot drone operator. Laura and I never crossed paths at Navy, but since connecting on LinkedIn last year, we've become fast friends. No surprise. Laura exemplifies Maya Angelou's quote that reads, quote, I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel, end quote. Laura's superpower is her ability to engage, connect on multiple levels, and leave you feeling energized after talking with her. Today, she uses her superpower as the founder and president of Laura Hatcher Photography, where she creates stunning still and video imagery that allows veterans, especially, to memorialize their precious memories, careers, and legacies. Before turning her passion for photography into a business, Laura followed a familiar, well-worn path to a job in corporate America following her retirement from the Navy. By her own account, it didn't work out well. She's joining me today to give us the guhe on avoiding life in a corporate sector cubicle in favor of doing something you love as your own boss. Let's get Laura aboard properly with all the appropriate honors due a retired Navy captain. Captain Laura Hatcher, 92, retired, arriving... Laura, welcome to the Hey, I'm excited to have you join me. Thank you. Laura, you caught my attention with an amazing LinkedIn post. On the post is a picture of you in your military uniform, taking a picture of your civilian self, and you have some amazing stats listed next to it. You're a strong believer in entrepreneurship. I love the way you phrased it in the LinkedIn post when talking about working for yourself, you said, Quote, resist the Borg, the Borg being the corporate America machine. I'm a Trekkie, a Star Trek fan, so I got the reference right away. Why are you so passionate about entrepreneurship? Great question. I don't think I woke up being passionate about it. It's something that you have to learn to do. After I retired in 2018, I uh, dipped my toe in the civilian workforce. I discovered it was not as glamorous as TAP class had described it. In fact, it was downright frightening. Um, 
I bounced around for about 16 months between working for a national nonprofit with the commute and the benefits. And then I dabbled in contracting uh, long enough to confirm that I didn't want to be a contractor. And then I did some other little things. And before you know it, by you know 16 months after retiring, I had three jobs. I was in my own way. I didn't wow. really know what I wanted to do. And I would tell you that the exercise of just writing that resume was eye-opening because I realized that all the soft skills that you learn from being in the military as long as I was, they don't actually translate to certifications that anybody wants. Right, right. <laughs> you quickly discover that if you don't have some kind of hard skill, and by hard skill I mean flying an airplane or have some kind of IT certification in your middle age, as I quickly became after retirement, you don't have much to offer and it's kind of frightening. And some will downplay it like and say, oh, no, no, you were a captain. You got everything. They'll hire you like that. <laughs> yeah, that's not true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you actually have to have something to offer. Right. <laughs> After doing 16 months of what I really didn't want to do, I kind of looked at myself and said, self, what do you want to do? That's the hard thing too, right? Right. Because you're not issued any type of self-reflection in your sea bag when you're in the military. You don't actually have an opportunity to figure out what you like to do. You end up doing the things that they want you to do. In my case, you do them well, right? Because you want to succeed. You don't want to embarrass yourself. You want to get mm -hmm. promoted. Sure. All the same things I think everybody experiences when they're in the military. But just because you're good at something doesn't necessarily mean you like it. <laughs> I was dabbling in photography. I had a side hustle like the last couple of years of active duty. Once I realized that people would actually pay me for that, it took me a while to realize how I could do it full time, but I decided, hey, why not? <laughs> you learn cloaking is not as easy as it looks. <laughs> <laughs> you have a stat in that picture that I referenced that says two and a half million U.S. businesses are veteran owned. 2.08 million of those are self-employed with no employees. 84.3% are male. 15.2% are female. And you say you don't have to return to the Borg. You don't have to return to the cubicle. You're not only passionate about entrepreneurship, but you're really interested in women in business as well as veterans. And my understanding is you want to make this a, a passion project where you photograph many women and veterans in the same type of photograph in business for themselves. Tell me about... Your, your focus on veterans and USNA alumni and women in business. How, how did you arrive there? As you're trying to find yourself after transition, you're not quite sure where you belong. So what's the easiest thing to do? Kind of go back to where you came from, right? I started photographing just to help build my own confidence that I could do headshots. I would go and volunteer and give away free headshots at tap classes. I befriended one of the uh, staff members, in fact, my own TAP instructor. Right. He was a Harley rider. <laughs> Can't go wrong befriending a Harley rider, right? I'd go back every month. <laughs> well, it could go wrong, but that's a different story. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so and, many uh, you could tell, I know. <laughs> oh, yeah. I started talking to people who really are just like me, right? I had been at that point maybe six to 12 months removed from tap class and they started talking to me like wow you've made it to the other side before you know it it's a therapy session they've completely forgotten about my camera 
And we're talking about life after, my lessons learned. The first question you asked about was passion. You don't realize that you're passionate about something until you actually stop for a second and listen to yourself or get feedback after one of these sessions. I would come home and my husband would be like, man, you are pumped up. What's going on? I just photographed 25, 05s and 06 at Executive Tap. And, and it wasn't so much about them so much as it was about me and what I needed. And then what I realized I needed is I am comfortable talking to my own kind. And by that, I mean the veteran community. You speak the same language. They have the same concerns and same fears. I was basically acting as a guide on the other side and learning how to photograph at the same time. Right. Very rewarding. What happens in the veteran world, one person starts talking to another person who starts talking to another person. I have a really good friend. It's hard to say good friend because he's army, but we'll let that slide. I have an army friend who starts sending me all these general officers from the army side. I was like, this is real. And then suddenly, believe it or not, two or three of my former bosses, I mean, people who were three and four stars or SESs in my intelligence community walked through my studio doors for their pictures. And one of them told me that they just liked my style. They liked the comfort, the contemporary look. And Laura, it's you. <laughs> it's you. How can we go wrong? I feel safe with you because I know you. I think that's why I'm probably still in the veteran space is because whether I actually served with you or know you, at the end of the day, we're still family, yeah. right? We, we still have that connection. Right. Absolutely. Now, you mentioned something that I tell you about yourself all the time. I said it up front in the introduction. You are an amazing blend of gregariousness, <laughs> but also leadership, also creativity, innovation. It's easy for me to see why those folks wanted to work with you. It's easy to see how you engage with people. I think you have an amazing talent for connecting with people. And I think that only extends when you photograph people. Now, I'll get that firsthand experience when I come down to Laura Hatcher Photography Studio here in a couple of weeks to have my headshots done. It's easy to hear your passion about photography, but what made you feel that it could be a viable business? Oh, I didn't. <laughs> no, I got to be honest. I just completely stumbled into the business thing. Well, let me just tell you how I started, first of all. I mean, that's probably the easiest way. I grew up as an only child. Us only children know that you're bored to death, right? So you just get involved with everything. Growing up, I, was, I did every hobby, every sport, every activity you can think of, which is probably a trait that stuck with me as an adult, which is why I have three sons and a Harley, a drone, a dog, a studio. <laughs> it's just one of those things where you constantly want to learn something, constantly want to do something. I started photographing classic cars in my neighborhood. And suddenly people started asking me if they could buy the pictures of their cars, which quickly made me realize you can't make money photographing classic cars because they only want pictures of their cars. <laughs> right. <laughs> Not interested in, Not interested in buying a book of somebody else's cars. <laughs> but at the time I'm active duty, suddenly I'm getting some coinage for my work and I'm starting to think, oh, there's some taxes. I'm sure there's some taxes I'm supposed to be paying. One thing leads to another. I'm researching. What am I supposed to do? How much money can I make without getting in trouble? And suddenly I've got an LLC. In 2017, I'm legit 
I'm a big girl now. I've got a business, but I'm still active duty, so there's no pressure to actually make money. I would say that's a great model if you are thinking about getting into something. If you can make it a side hustle first, there's less pain that way. <laughs> you can kind of ease your way into it. But I didn't wake up saying, oh, yeah, I can make money doing this because you can't, right? You can't just start one day, especially in my world, right? because you've got to build a portfolio. You've got to build a brand. You've got to build some trust, word of mouth. And this has been a long journey. I mean, this has been an evolution for six years. I'm somewhat profitable by my standards, which are very low. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give away all your secrets. <laughs> my definition of success is that my three sons leave college completely debt-free. Everything else is gravy. Oh, okay. And then if I can pay the mortgage. <laughs> That's important. It is. Now, look, to be fair, though, you are retired from the Navy. You're in 06. So you're good to go on pension and, and health care coverage for you and your spouse, right? For us folks that did not retire from the Navy, and we've been in the private sector for some time, give us your advice on what we could do to go on business for ourselves. The first advice, William, is the good to go is a relative term, okay? When you live with five men, including the dog, Roger. and a DC mortgage, <laughs> good to go Roger. is relative. <laughs> I love how this magical 06 pension is just the answer to all of our prayers. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> right. I will climb back into my box now. <laughs> Anywhere but D.C., it's probably a great thing. But yes, you're right. When people ask me for advice, the very first thing I do is I put my life into context. And I tell them, listen, I have a military pension. I have health care. I don't necessarily wait for a headshot to feed my kids. Because if you don't do that, then you're setting kind of a false expectation. But that's not to say I don't work very hard at what I do to get better. What I would tell people is to have a plan. And I mentioned this earlier, consider starting your future business as a side hustle first, perhaps. That pressure of building up your client list is reduced. Do that market research. Is your business idea viable? Don't do like me. Don't pick a business that's completely saturated, <laughs> where everybody thinks that their iPhone can do just what your $3,000 camera can do. <laughs> well, that's what the commercial says, yeah. right? I mean, they're filming movies with yeah. their iPhones. Yes, that's, that's <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're right. There are some things that you can do just fine with an iPhone, but there's something to be said about having another eye, another way of looking at things. Study your market. Study the potential costs. There are a lot of costs with setting up a business, a lot of hidden costs that you may not realize. And then I would say surround yourself with people that support you. You don't want to be hanging out with the naysayers because there's plenty of those. Anybody that starts off with a, why do you want to do that, is probably not somebody that you want to have in your back pocket or in your corner rooting you on because they need to believe in you so that you can continue to believe in yourself. I guess the last thing I would say is find yourself mentors. One of my favorite sayings is, it's only competition if you compete. I tend to surround myself with other photographers because those are the ones that end up giving me the best referrals, right? I'm full-time. Most of the photographers that I meet are part-time because they're doing the side hustle. When they get a gig that falls in line with whatever I do, they come to Laura Hatcher because they know that 
she's sitting around waiting for somebody to hire her <laughs> full time. We've talked about you doing headshots a lot, but before the pandemic hit, you were well known for creating these epic Emmy-worthy retirement ceremony videos and photography books that captured the essence of an entire military career. But people aren't doing retirement ceremonies due to COVID. What have you done to build your business and how are you managing through the pandemic? The pandemic obviously reduced the amount of time and opportunity I can have event photography. But as we came out of the shutdown, I got a surge of people who needed headshots because the virtual appearance becomes very important. Many people were going through a transition. Either they lost their job during the pandemic or they happened to be transitioning out of the military during that time. My studio is small, but it's big enough to have a one-on-one safe headshot session. My headshot sessions increased. I also started doing product photography for small businesses. They would send me some of their products through the mail, which is a very safe way of doing business. Perk is I get to keep the product and they get to buy the pictures. And I've also done a lot of selling of photography I already own for stock photography. People realize that I have very realistic military photos that they could use for their website. So I've had at least two or three clients now come to me for military related photography for their websites uh, because what's out there is basically junk. Now, you're pretty good at the marketing, though. I look at what you do on LinkedIn. You're no slouch in terms of posting daily, putting up creative and interesting content. It's how we got together here on the Resist the Borg. I mean, I would love to have a shot of me in military uniform taking a picture of my civilian self. I think that's just amazing. I think you do a good job on that front. Do you get a lot of response from that? Do you get people that jump in your DMs and say, hey, I want to come get my head shot? I get more of a response on LinkedIn, mainly because that's where all the adults are, at least for now. But yes, the main thing about social media, it's a curse and a blessing at the same time. I waste too much time on social media, mainly because those platforms are designed to keep you on there, wasting time. The algorithms change all the time. What may have been a good resource, like Facebook, for example, last year, nobody knows me on Facebook this year because the algorithms are set such that the small business person isn't necessarily being promoted. Really? The reach is not as much. You just have to kind of understand the platform you're on and really understand your audience. And what I love about LinkedIn is the audience that I am attracting is there. The transitioning veteran is there because that's what they learned in tab class, that you got to get on LinkedIn. The marketing is important. And the reason for that is because you need to stay top of mind. I've got to keep reminding you that I'm here. During the pandemic, I wanted to crawl in a hole and die (laughs) and just hide. But I didn't. I just started creating content because what else am I going to do? Of those career highlights we talked about in the introduction, are there a few essential skills or experiences you acquired even at the Naval Academy or during your years of service that you could attribute to preparing to run your own business? I look back now at the military career and I realize it was a dress rehearsal for entrepreneurship. You know, as you mentioned, um, I've been a department head on a ship. I've been an officer in charge of several commands. I've been an XO. I've been a commanding officer. And each one of them required the skill sets that I'm using today to run my business. Strategic thinking, self-motivation, decision-making, unfortunately, math. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> which I'm not a fan of because remember I studied volleyball at the Naval Academy and math was <laughs> was not my favorite. You 
don't realize what the military gives you, whether you stayed in for four years or you stayed in for 31 years. 31 for me when all is said and done with those five glorious years with the Naval Academy because I went through the five-year, four-year program like you did. (laughs) Wouldn't do it any different. I wouldn't either. Not at all. 13th grade was what I needed. (laughs) That's good. 13th grade. All those things that you learn to sink or swim in the military, you're going to draw on those every single day. Remember, as an entrepreneur, you own all 24 hours of the day, which is a rude awakening. That's the first thing I learned was I thought I was amazing at time management. No, the Navy was amazing at keeping me on time. (laughs) But Laura Hatcher keeping me on time, it's a little bit of a different story. The skill sets you learned in the military, sometimes I have to just kind of remind myself, you went to jump school, you went to dive school, you got the crap beat out of you at sleep summer, you could do this. Those are the things that you draw on. They're always going to be there. They're never going to go away. You'll find there's going to be some very lonely days as an entrepreneur. You need to draw from within. Yeah. My personal belief is anybody who meets you immediately connects with you. You have that much of an engaging personality. And you've done so many different things. To me, you're like the Doseki guy, the most interesting veteran. I can see you doing a commercial. I don't often drink beer, but when I do. (laughs) When I do. (laughs) I'm going to let you out on this one. You got to tell me something I don't know about you. Teach me something new. Tell me something new about Laura Hatcher. Make me say, is that right? So, well, you may appreciate this being an abster. Did you know there are four military junior colleges in the United States? People actually pay to go through the experience that you and I did in Newport, Rhode Island. Right. Junior colleges. I did not know that. I did not know that. Yes, good. I won. Yes, you didn't know. And why do I know this? Because I locked my kid up at one of them. <laughs> <laughs> that, that poor guy wants to be in the Navy, and he's wearing a uniform that looks much like the Army right now. Because really? Really? <laughs> it's a prep school. But my middle son is at Marion Military Institute, MMI, in Marion, Alabama. Where, you say? I know. I didn't know where Marion, Alabama was either. <laughs> is that right? And you don't know where it is. <laughs> and my folks are from Alabama. <laughs> I've never heard of that. Well, well, there you go. Marion Military Institute is the oldest of the four military junior colleges built in 1842. Wow. You've probably heard of Valley Forge. You've probably heard of the military school in New Mexico. And there's one in Georgia, Georgia Military Institute, I believe it's called. But those four, starting as early as 1842 for MMI and 1920s for the last one. They're two-year colleges, but they're one-year prep schools for all the service academies. When I tell you that people pay to go through the experience that you and I had for free, and by people, I mean people like me, parents. (laughs) (laughs) How did you discover that? They discovered him. Oh, okay. One of the joys of being a blue and gold officer is you get to continue to see how the admissions process works over the many years for the Naval Academy. One of the biggest joys is seeing it from the other side as an applicant. So my middle son, he's been applying for the last two years. The first year, he got offered a wait list to NAPS, which he was very excited about because I've convinced him that you can do anything if you're a Napster. Yeah, you can. Including being commandant. We got two flag officers in class of 90, Coast Guard and Marine Corps. 
Yes. Out of that 86th class of uh, NAPS. There's your proof. He knows I made it all the way to 06 by going through that five-year, four-year program. That's the way you do it. (laughs) Absolutely. But he didn't get picked up. He was on his way to Virginia Tech, Corps of Cadets, completely committed. At the very last minute, the Merchant Marine Academy called him and said, we have eight slots. One of them we didn't fill, and we'd like to offer it to you. And then the rest is history. He's a sponsored cadet for the Merchant Marine Academy, the other academy. Unlike NAPS, though, where you and I were basically guaranteed to get in if we didn't mess up, and we actually still had a pulse. (laughs) (laughs) The rules change a little bit, but similar. You have to be medically qualified, physically qualified, and then, of course, pass your prep school. Perfect. Well, I wish him all the best. I would think that after hearing this episode, you're going to have some shipmates that want to reach out to you about your services at Laura at your photography. How can they reach you? What's the best way you want them to reach out to you if they want to talk to you and, and hear more about Laura Hatcher and your business? Um, pretty much on any of the platforms, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and then my website, laurahatcherphotography.com. There's a contact link in there that comes directly to my email, but I get a lot of pings on LinkedIn. Yeah. Reach out to Laura Hatcher. She is one of the best people to know. Thank you for joining me here on the Guhei, and I look forward to talking with you again. My pleasure, and thank you for having me. I'm humbled to be one of your early guests. Thank you, Laura. Go Navy. I want to give another big thank you to my guest today, and thank you for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast, and more importantly, tell another shipmate to do likewise. The more shipmates are talking, the more opportunities we will create for each other. For show notes on today's episode, please go to theguhe.com. Until next time, I'm William Jones. Keep chopping wood. Keep chopping wood.